I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, February 10, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Big update today. At the end of the day, the market started down. It was bought up by the buy the dip crowd, finished near the highs. We're going to take a look at a holistic view of the chart. We're at new highs. We have to be realistic about what happened today and what it means under normal garden variety market conditions. Secondarily, I think I found something pretty, pretty cool. It's something we can watch, and it ties into the entire coronavirus deal, which doesn't seem to have any impact on markets whatsoever. Well, if we take a different viewpoint, we may see something coming up in the near term. Stay tuned. So let's start out with the daily chart of the spider. What do we see? What jumps off the page at me? What jumps off the page right away is today's candle. Obviously, we're at a new closing high. We're above all the moving averages, comfortably above home base, getting too far above home base potentially, yet in an uptrend, there's nothing wrong with the market whatsoever. Markets can stay in an uptrend. They can stay in a downtrend. They can stay in that quote-unquote overbought or oversold condition a whole lot longer than many people believe they can, especially at present where we're climbing the wall of worry. So what do we see with today's activity? The market gaps down in the morning. Here's a five-minute chart just so you can understand the magnitude of what happened early on. The market gaps down. This is the first five-minute candle of the day. The market opens at 331.23. Put that in perspective, we closed at 334.69. Immediately, the market is bought up by the buy the dip crowd. What does it do? It runs up to an important area that was cited this morning for inside the numbers members. We also said that there are two options if they get to this price. They're either going to get rejected, which will be the tell for the rest of the day, or they're going to just eat time off the clock, which they did, which will generally mean, which it did, another or ensuing or continuation move to the north side. Prove it. Well, I'm going to. Here is inside the numbers. Here are the pre-market morning notes. In the pre-market notes, we're giving both sides. We don't know what's going to happen as the market opens. The market can open and keep going south. The market can get bought up by the buy the dip crowd, which it did. So we're talking about that stuff early on. Here's the rest of the pre-market notes. We had some stocks on the move, but nothing hit its price target. There was really nothing moving worthwhile early on. It was a quiet Monday right out of the chute. Let's scroll up and let's begin getting a sense for what was going on as the market was opening and as it continued throughout the morning. Leading up to the opening bell, they're dripping lower, so we're obviously on top of it. We warn early about the Johnny-come-latelys that are going to sell short or sell in the hole when the market's already down. And then what happens? Trick and company show up and they rip them back up. Kind of sounds similar to what happened. We're talking about that at 9.15 a.m. before the opening bell. It's an awareness. 
Continuing on, at this stage, at 9.35 a.m., we already see the Buy the Dip crowd show up. We're already eyeballing two resistance areas up north. One which was the most recent early morning breakdown area, and the other one was essentially where the market stalled out and ate time off the clock by going sideways all day long. That was listed at ES3337. Here's your hourly chart of the ES or S&P E-mini futures contract. You can see what happened. The market's bought up and it runs right up to what? 33.37, a little bit above, a little bit below. And that's where it basically ate time off the clock all day long before making the continuation move up north. We know the numbers. Now, the market could have been rejected from that area, but the fact that it wasn't is a tell. Traders can read the market by what it does at certain areas and also why what it doesn't do at certain areas. Let's get back to the notes. This way, I'll just scroll up a little bit. You can pause the video at your leisure. And as you know, at this point, after we got to the 33.37 and the market started just eating time off the clock, there wasn't a whole lot to discuss. There wasn't a whole lot to do. Before it got there, the jury was still out. Once it got there, you start eyeballing what else is up north. You have no choice but to be the umpire based on what the market is doing, not based on what you want it to do. We look for a mid-morning pivot. That is where the market basically puts in a high at some point early on in the day. That is what happened. We're looking for it. This is how it goes inside the numbers. Inside the numbers members have a market tour guide throughout the day. We have trade opportunities posted long before the opening bell. We have pre-market notes and we have the tour guide. It's me. Here's the same chart, but in the SPY version. And traders ask, why do you use the futures? Why do you use both the SPY and the futures? And here's the reason why. Because the ES contract, the futures contract, trades throughout the clock. It trades all around the clock minus a couple of closings here and there. So even though the volume is different, even though it's not the pit session, it's not the same, we can get a sense for what numbers are important in the middle of the night. Those numbers tend to be important once again if revisited during the trading day. It's not something I'm making up. You can go check that for yourself. Just go look at the charts. Go look at the 24-hour activity and then go look to see what the market did throughout the day, and then you decide whether or not some of those prices are important. So I use a lot of other things off the futures chart as well, most of which we're not going to put in this video. That will remain for the benefit of Inside the Numbers members. So here's something else. This is using a 10-minute chart, and here's something that's taught right out of the course, Lazy E-mini Trader. Traders that have taken the course will notice something that happened right from the morning, right from the get-go, and then they'll understand why the market made a high where it did. Even though it went sideways, it still could have been rejected. It's interesting why and when it stopped going higher and just went sideways for a while. This is taught in the course, Lazy E-mini trader. Point of interest, we're just throwing in a little short hop for a little bit of levity. As you know, whenever I do turn on the sound on our favorite financial news network, it's generally good for some material for this video. So here's what I found early on this morning. 
Tesla was trading up in the pre-market. It was up a lot. It was up like $60 or $70, something like that. I don't remember exactly. It was up a lot. And obviously, they're talking about Tesla. You can't help yourself but notice what's going on in Tesla. It just is the current rodeo ride. The stock that defies gravity, all of the above. And here's what happened. When Tesla topped out and it went down this big day here and then part of the next day here, they started saying that Tesla is now in a bear market. Really? So Tesla goes from about 250 in October of 2019. Yeah, like four months ago, right over here. Closing price, October 23, 254 and change. So Tesla's 250 four months ago. It's almost $1,000 a few days ago, four months later. Then it's down to 700 and they want to call it a bear market. Why not just call it what it is? A rodeo. I mean, for real, that's not common, normal, garden variety, pundit commentary. That's really blank. Pick your descriptor. You have to wonder, who writes that stuff? All right, let's get back in our lane, talk about some stuff that's tangible, talk about some stuff we can sink our teeth into. I think I got something cool coming up. First, let's talk about my favorite market-leading indicator, the IWM. So the IWM was up today, about on par with the S&P. That's fine. But where is it on the chart? Where is it on the daily chart? Is it on par with the S&P? The answer is, no, it's not. So there's still a big divergence. One of these things is going to catch up with the other. Either the IWM is going to rip higher or the S&P is basically on a fake out breakout type of move and it's going to roll over and come back down south. Either way, we're going to get clarity on that sooner than later. Right now, the IWM is in the middle of this range here from the high to the recent low. You're in the middle. So what do you do? Are you going up? Or are you going down? You have no idea other than the fact that it's bullish, if anything, being above all the moving averages or at least sitting on top of the 20, but above the other three. Other than that, there's nothing to tell you it's going one way or the other. If you're the umpire, it's like a rain delay. You have to wait. Now, let's get over to the thing that I found that I think is cool. Here's a proxy for the Shanghai Index. It's China. This particular symbol happens to be some kind of Dow Jones tracking index of the Shanghai. This is not the Shanghai itself. I don't get that symbol on this platform. I probably don't pay for it. I never really try to get it. doesn't matter. This is good enough. So here, the market collapses. We got the coronavirus. We were closed, or they were closed. It's not a we, it's a they. The Shanghai was closed over here, reopened, collapsed, and is working its way back up. But we know about these type of chart setups. So what we're looking at is the convergence of these three moving averages. This is the 200, the 100, and the 50 period moving average, and the breakdown candle high. This is really an area that under normal garden variety conditions, the Shanghai or this chart doesn't even matter what it is. I just found it on the Shanghai. This could be anything. It would be unnormal. It would not be normal for them to just waltz right past that breakup candle high and those moving averages. Will they get to that high is another question. And under normal garden variety market conditions, the high of a breakdown candle a lot of times will act as a magnet with price. So price can be drawn up to the breakdown candle high and then be rejected from said breakdown candle high. Now. 
That's what the daily chart says. However, we always need further evidence. We don't just take one chart and say, hey, that's it, and then put it all on the table. All the chips in. It's all in. No, we don't do that. We have to continue looking for evidence that we have a confirmation of what we just saw. Ergo, the weekly chart. Now, this isn't necessarily the same routine. I can make two cases at first blush looking at the weekly chart. So already, I don't like it. I can do this. We have an up move. And we basically have bullish consolidation like this that will generally result in an ensuing move higher. And all this did was stay in the channel, bounced off the bottom portion of the channel in and around that area. This isn't a perfect diagram, but hopefully you get the gist. Guess what? I can also make a case that the market came down and is consolidating in a bearish formation that will result in an ensuing move lower, which may have started already and failed. We're back in the channel. We could get below. They could rally to the top, but that's what this could be. So what do we do with a situation like that? I could see the market both bullish and bearish. What do you do? Nothing. You keep looking. So what do we do from the weekly chart? We take another step forward. We go to the monthly chart. More muddy waters. Now the monthly chart, since it takes a long time to develop, we could certainly see the market going both ways. Let me explain. And really this hasn't become an analysis of so much the Shanghai index as it becomes an analysis of the chart we're on. What I'm doing is letting you inside my head as I unpack these charts, which I haven't done before this video, other than the daily chart, which I did find. I didn't look at the weekly, and I didn't look at the monthly before this video started. So this really is live TV. So let's see what we can do with the monthly chart. We have a breakup candle right here. Here's the low of it. All right, it's below the 100 period moving average, which we haven't even tested yet. And we're basically just going sideways and certainly, it's eating time off the clock, maybe wanting to challenge this pivot high up here near 500, maybe slightly below 500. What does that also represent? It represents a breakdown candle high that the Shanghai ran up to test. Didn't we just talk about that? Was acting as a magnet, but was rejected at the breakdown candle high. And guess what? Here we are again. That analysis, my first analysis is what jumps off the page at me. My first analysis is generally in the pole position. Now, secondarily, you still have what we just looked at. You have this breakdown candle high, which was never eclipsed. We were never able to get over it. So whether or not we're gonna challenge it again by this pattern here, that can certainly break to the upside, or we're just gonna continue failing, remains a mystery. The monthly chart really can't tell us because these take so long to play out. So what do we do? We revert back to where we started from, going back to the daily chart, and we say, well, we know what turns the market bullish. If, in fact, they get up above, and this high is 427.52, if they get above on a daily chart closing basis, 427.52, what does it look like? It looks like they've cleared the hurdle and they're going to make at least the majority of the monthly chart we just looked at come to fruition. That would be the bull case that was in the pull position. Now, if this fails and price is rejected at the breakdown candle high, and this actually plays out like a symmetrical move is intended to play out, and you can learn that also in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. Little plug there on the side. 
If that happens and this plays out in the southern direction, look out below. So at least for the next few days, I'm going to be watching the Shanghai very, very intently. It's on my top of list. What's going on down at the transportation department? Well, we're back in divergence land. This looks more like my first favorite market leading indicator. This is our second favorite market leading indicator. However, our first canary in the coal mine. Below two out of four moving averages, so we're sandwiched in between, a little bit below the middle of the same range we discussed before in the IWM. So the range being the high, the low, we're in the middle, maybe slightly favored to the downside. So it's not a bullish chart. It's not a chart that looks identical to the SPY in any fashion. Will it be a canary in the coal mine or will the divergence resolve itself by sending the transports a whole lot higher? We can't say right now, but these are the things that I'm watching. The market will give you a hint what's happening when you look at these indexes throughout the day. The market will give you the clues. Inside the numbers members will get the clues I'm getting as I get them hot off the press. Can we get any evidence from the triple Qs out in Silicon Valley? Well, this is just powering forward. It's bullish beyond all belief. New highs, big candle today, rip higher, closing on the highs. There's nothing bearish you can say about this chart. Somebody can say it's gone too far too fast. You can always say that, but it's bullish. It's cemented in. There's no volume out there, but the market continues to march higher on light volume. You can't have something bullish until you get an indication or a sign or signal of a trend change at minimum from an intraday perspective. Maybe you get a gap down one day and that's the tell, but we don't have it. So we have to take the market at face value and the triple Qs are in no man's land. Nothing you can do with it unless you're long, you ride them long. Other than that, you just have to watch them go. How about the XLF? Any evidence or clues going on over here? Well, what jumps off the page at me? Well, it has to jump off the page because we left the line in across $30.98. Now, we know that's a monthly number, but it seems interesting that they're still challenging that number. And here we are above all the moving averages and you have to say that this whole area this whole big long consolidation area is important is that area which was basically almost failed and then recaptured so is it really that area minus this little spike down below is that the consolidation and if so if the market's going to move higher it's going to move higher more than a bread box this was a long-term consolidation off a daily chart we recaptured this breakup candle low on its face. The duck says it's bullish until it fails. Therefore, the umpire says at least until and unless they get back below the 50 and the 20 period moving average, it's bullish in the XLF. Same routine in the SMH, which is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. Pops back above the 20 period moving average. Go to the weekly chart and you can see it's just in an uptrend. There's been some pullbacks along the way, but we've never even touched the 20 period moving average since last summer. The semiconductor space is strong. It's bullish until and unless the bullish condition changes, it's bullish. You get a surprise gap down one morning, something changes, but until and unless that happens, 
You can't anticipate those things happening tomorrow or the next day or the day after that or any particular day. You have to take the market at face value. What the charts are saying today is what's on the board. And that, my friends, is a perfect segue to tell you how much I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible, and you know how much I love making these videos. This is everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today, so I will pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.